It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Welcome back to Green and Growing. Thank you for listening to 95.5 WSB. Beautiful weekend we have in store. And guess who got up early to join us? This is where we always do Celebrity Gardener. And so many of you know him well because we share our listeners. Our listeners love 97.1 The River. That is 97.1 on your radio dial. DJ extraordinaire Steve Craig. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. This is awesome. Did you ever have it envisioned that you would be plucked as a celebrity gardener on any radio show anywhere? Of all the all the house plants that I've killed over my uh, <laughs> entire life, no, uh, uh-uh. I'm doing pretty good in the backyard now. But yeah. you don't have to be a gardener to to enjoy this segment and to just have fun with it. But you piqued my interest months ago. You were so supportive when you found out I got the show. Yeah, and you started asking me about landscape design, and you have envisioned. For your new place, you just recently moved. Congratulations. Thank you. You have an outdoor living space envisioned, so you got it in you. Yeah, and it's a very interesting space because it's not really a backyard, you know, where you have it kind of flat and laid out and, you know, I can do some arbory stuff here. I can do a tree. I can do flower beds, lawn, whatever. It's really kind of strangely tiered. It kind of comes down in levels, and so it's going to be a challenge. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, what types of plants, what types of flowers and shrubs will do well in a terraced kind of thing? And then we had this really nice uh, big flat area that we had talked about using for, you know, grass and maybe a flower bed and a vegetable garden, which was like the big thing that uh, my girlfriend Bridget wanted to do. And then all of a sudden now that's, uh, you know, that space we can use. Let's put a plunge pool there. (laughs) That changes things a lot. landscape that too. Yeah, yeah, you would. Some palm trees, maybe some grapevines. Palm trees, yes, because the entire area is going to be an extension of my Leaky Tiki Lounge, (gasps) you know, because I've had a back deck tiki bar for for decades. And so now that I have a basement that I can actually, you know, put a bar and lounge in. So it'll go outside into that terrace backyard area with palm trees and... Sago palms, windmill palms. I'm thinking banana plant. I'm thinking uh, croton, which is like the just colorful leafy plant. Doesn't flower down in Florida. That's all different colors. Oh, Steve. So you're thinking I can get a rainforest out there. I'm thinking so. We're going to make it happen. Maybe minus the birds. But I mean, you could still attract some birds too, just not the tropical kind. Yeah. So tell me about the, the outdoor space. Like you said, you have the tiki bar on the back deck. Like what do you most enjoy about being outside? Right now it's tomatoes. Uh, we have like a little, little small, like a top deck, I guess, where the stairs come down. And so we haven't had a chance to do anything with that backyard in the way of a vegetable garden yet. Yeah. So we started putting tomato plants in tubs and they're flourishing. I mean, they're doing great. Are they the as tall as you right yet? Now. No, they're, they're, they're about maybe yeah, a couple feet, a couple okay. feet yeah, in the, in the little, you know, the, the Lowe's buckets, you know, but they're, uh, they're producing some nice cherry tomatoes. Oh, you have already been, have production. Yeah. Good. So we've been picking those out for salads and. And stuff. So now, would cooking. you say maybe as a beginning gardener yourself that a tomato plant is something nice and easy for someone just starting off? It is very easy. Now, when I was a kid, I tried. I mean, you used to be able to buy like a little can with like tomato seeds in it, and you just yeah. kind of put that can, you know, put that in water, it and it'll sprout, and you transfer it over. But every time I would try to make real tomatoes. The, the, the caterpillars and the bugs and everything would get to them. So, right. you know, I'd walk out in the backyard, you know, I'm like, you know, 12 years old. And, oh, look, mom, my tomato plants are gone. Then you turn a tomato oh. around, it's, it's completely eaten through by, <laughs> by critters. Gross. And it's like, Ew. and then really, I don't really 
prefer tomatoes because of that experience. Yeah. It just, you know, sometimes the smell and like whatever. But the cherry tomatoes are great because they flourish. And so it's been very, very easy. And then uh, actually we've been taking little pieces of the tomatoes that uh, may – uh, I wouldn't say get rotten, but the ones that kind of expire, mm-hmm. you know, they're in the bowl yeah. a little too long, pop those in, those seeds start to grow. That's so fun. we've got a lot of great uh, tomato plants all over the deck. Yes. But. Now, I started something from seed back in February and had more tomato plants than I knew what to do with you and I should have talked because I had 20 to 30 tomato plants. And I'm like, I don't have room to plant all these. So I've been like giving them out around mm-hmm. the station. And I was a little late doing it because they just weren't getting tall enough and quick enough for me. So I gave one to Fred Blankenship and he and his wife are so excited to do that with the kids, you know, let the three kids just on the back deck, like you said, put it in a pot, make sure there's holes. There's got to be drainage holes in the bottom, bottom of that bucket and just, just let it go. But he's like, all right, Ashley, you got to start from square one with me. So I literally emailed him a six step plan of how to get this tomato going. I think it's going to work. It's foolproof. You know, something else easy that you could try, you and Bridget could try blueberries. Yeah. You can grow those in pots on the back deck. Don't need a lot of room. Yep. No. She's trying to grow a peach tree. That's that's what she wants to do now. Yes. She makes a mean peach cobbler. So the, the, the peaches that we've had, and there was one that I was looking at the peach bowl, and there was one that kind of molded out a little bit, and so I just threw it away. And she came back. She goes, where's my peach? Uh-oh. And I went, what? Did I go, the, did I go the one with mold on it? She goes, yeah. And I went and threw it away. She goes, I was going to plant that one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I want no. a peach tree. So uh, <laughs> so there's going to be some some uh, some fruit and vegetables, I think, in the yes. new backyard very, very soon. Have her come talk to me. Peaches are tough. You've got to spray before you even think about the fruit. You've already got to be like on a spraying regimen. Oh, my gosh. They're unreal. Can you do miniature Peach trees? Can you do miniature? I'm sure there's trees? some dwarf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a fruit salad tree too, where different fruit trees are grafted on one another. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how successful folks are, unless they're pretty religious about it. But I mean, you could have the apple and peach, or different varieties of peach, all in one tree. Yeah. So that's something worth Very checking nice. out. Very nice. So Steve Craig, everybody from 97.1 The River, Steve's College of Musical Knowledge. You have been doing that with your listeners since the early days, I think, right? That's so been around a long time. It's 41st year. Yes. You can believe that. Tell us a little bit about that for listeners who've never caught that. It's, it's, it's basically a trivia question that's been dressed up with a classroom. <laughs> uh, no, I gosh, I started doing that uh, back in 1978 when I started in radio. It was like the first thing to do. Uh, and it was like, okay, you want to ask a trivia question? Well, let's address it up. And yeah. it just became Steve's College of Musical Knowledge. And it's always kind of followed me from, from town to town. I got into Atlanta in 92, I guess, with 99X mm-hmm. and was there for 16, 17 years wow. until uh, that ended. And then a little trip to New York for a while and then back here at the river. So We are so lucky to have you here. And we know we Thank have a you. blast, too. Oh, it's a blast. So I've got some trivia for you. Yeah. Ashley School of Green and Growing, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> all right. Green so, thumb knowledge? Yes. There you go. And this is all related to rock and roll. Okay. First of all, what's a rock garden? Any interpretation you have is fine. A rock garden? Sure. It's exactly what we're trying to clean up in the backyard right now. <laughs> they have the, they used pebbles, uh, the, the, not pebbles, but like the big, you know, like uh, golf ball sized yes. rocks to do, I guess, some sort of path and drainage, oh. and that stuff gets impossible to get so, rid of. So pretty much what we have out in the backyard is a rock garden. That's a rock garden. That's mm-hmm. sufficient. How do you roll out sod? Uh, with my rock and roll wheelbarrow. Yes, I like yeah. it. Okay. All right, all right, yeah. that works. All right, guitar plant. It is a thing. Just take a guess what continent it's native to. A guitar plant? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a there's a plant who well, he doesn't play guitar. He sings, but <laughs> I, I would think the UK. 
Oh, oh that's a good guess. Australia. Yeah. Really? Just a side note, a woody shrub with fern-like leaves and cream-scented flowers. Oh, who knew? A guitar plant. Yeah, we don't have it here. Okay. Okay. All right. Name a band with a flower in the name. Oh, wow. Guns N' Roses. Yes. That's that's the only one I had written down, and I thought, you know, he'll probably come up with one that I haven't thought of, but that that works. Uh, A band with a body of water, since we're talking about outdoors. A band with a body of water. I'm trying to think of like an actual named body of water. So, Little River Band? That would work. That would work. Atlantic Station? Is that a band? That was like a long time ago. Really? I think so. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then Beach Boys, but that's not really naming the water per se, but yeah, yeah. you know, Oasis, but that's not like classic rock. The band Oasis. Give them a few more years, they will be. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> None of us are getting any younger. Okay. So, stick with me here. Garden music. Garden music. Rotting logs and leaves are common outdoor hiding spots for this scary creature with pinchers, and it's also a band with the hit rock that, uh, or the hit Rocky Like a Hurricane. Scorpions. Yes. All right, last one. I yep. promise. This is, this is fun, isn't yeah. it? A three-leafed plant that makes us itch, and also a band with Brett Michaels, formerly called Paris, but now known to everyone as... Poison. You passed Le- my quiz. Leaves of three, let them be. Is that right? That's pretty easy. Yeah. So leaves you of see, four, eat some more. Yeah. Oh, oh I don't know that I'd eat any of it. <laughs> but, and then there's a five. There's a, oh, that's okay. There's a five leaf one that everyone thinks is poison ivy and they get all scared of it. Virginia creeper. That stuff's harmless. It kind uh-huh. of vines too. Yeah. Harmless. So. Whatever happened to kudzu? Oh my gosh. Is it still there? It is. I see it every once in a while, but I remember it was a big scare for a long time. And now all of a sudden it's like, I don't see too much of it anymore. It was so invasive and we have kudzu bugs, you know, which are kind of related. But now I think there's just been so much suburban sprawl and development, Steve, that I honestly, the, the spots where I grew up knowing, you know, by the roadside were kudzu, they're all developed now. Yeah. But hmm. now what what is really funny to see in like older neighborhoods and areas that have been around a while if one shoot a bamboo starts to come up you better run mm-hmm. bamboo is so invasive it'll get out of control before you even know it i love bamboo and as a as a nice buffer you know mm-hmm. if you're going to be you know using it as a privacy kind yeah. of thing and actually of course for the tiki bar it's going to be perfect i thought that too but i talked to a lot of people about that and they go mm, you don't mm-hmm. really want to use bamboo no it yeah. gets out of control and then your neighbors will hate you too because yeah. in years it'll be creeping over their fence or under their fence yeah unless you plan on farming it for bamboo tiki like construction or something yeah <laughs> exactly. right all right so what i want to share with the listeners after we get off the air here can we post a picture of your tiki bar on the green and growing facebook page when it's done yeah oh it's in construction oh yeah yeah the construction actually starts on monday this is serious oh this yeah is a big project yeah because it's it's gone from tiki bar to tiki lounge, so it's gonna, <laughs> much it, more it's, involved. It's going to be now. nice. All right, and we'll have you guys over definitely for uh, you know. Now the, that the you're close to our neck of the woods, party. we will. That's right. And once all this stupid coronavirus stuff, we'll have a corona at the tiki lounge. Absolutely. All right. Well, Steve, thank you for stopping by this morning. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, go rock and roll, man. Thanks. So we've got Judy in Fayetteville calling about dividing irises and a question about blueberry canes and when to prune them back. Thank you, Steve Craig, for joining us this morning. You get out of here, go get some sleep, and we'll be right back. I'm going to make room for Mike Shields in traffic here on 95.5 WSB. So maybe you're listening to us on the radio dial on 95.5, your smart speaker, like Scott said, or on your computer. Pull up WSBradio.com and click Listen Live. So many ways to listen and carrying around 
in your pocket, on your smartphone, the WSB Radio app. So we appreciate you being here. 724, it's time to uh, update the weather. First, I have to do that. Brought to you by Finley Roofing today and tomorrow. Every weekend, I'm kind of stuck with the same weather forecast. Saturday and Sundays are always very similar to one another. Mostly sunny, maybe a few more clouds tomorrow, but highs in the mid-80s and lows in the mid-60s. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Want to get back to some of your great calls and questions, so I'll make this quick. Top three things to do. Number one, support those vines. Many vining plants have great blooms right now, and you just need to check the trellises or wire supports and make sure they're sufficient for what you're growing. Number two, plant containers, and don't think you have to be limited to the idea that you can only use annuals. You can have perennials in there. I've got dwarf boxwoods. You can do hostas. And remember just the concept when you're planting a big container, the thrillers, spillers, and fillers. You want one of each type for visual interest. And number three, asparagus and garlic. Keep all of those well weeded right now and let the asparagus grow lots of ferns like they're doing, but just let that continue to happen the rest of the summer and through the fall and don't cut back the foliage until it's totally brown. 404-872-0750. Judy in Fayetteville, I appreciate you holding. How are you this morning? Good, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, what's up? Well, um, our our irises did not bloom as well this year. We had very few blooms. And um, and another question, do I have to wait to cut back the leaves until they turn brown? And when is the best time to divide them? That's the questions I have for you. Okay, that's great. So I'm just curious, out of curiosity, do you have Siberian, you know, the smaller leafed ones, or do you have um, bearded irises? What do you have? I believe they're the bearded with the large leaves. Oh, yeah, beautiful, long, purple. thicker, yeah, blady mm-hmm. leaves and the purple. Oh, they're so beautiful. Right. Okay, so what we always want to do with any of these bulb and rhizome plants like lilies or irises or anything like that, even daffodils, keep all the foliage on as long as you can because any of that green is providing nutrients back to the bulb or the rhizome. So mm-hmm. never cut the foliage back until it is browned. So I know as it's going limp and kind of starting to wilt it's not really pretty to look at but there's also conflicting you know gardeners here in the south once they find a way of doing things they are married to those ideas and there are some that say to transplant divide and transplant irises in late winter or mid-spring but Mm -hmm. i almost think that maybe august is a better time for that because the the leaves are starting to go limp a little bit and it's not as hot in August, hopefully, as, you know, the summer. You just want to let things be. So, Judy, I would get out mm-hmm. there maybe in August and go ahead and start to dig up the rhizomes. And if you've got a big iris bed, you know, you're going to need a pretty big bladed shovel. Go down mm-hmm. at least, I would say, three or four inches when you're trying to shovel up just that big mass, that big clump of irises, and get a good garden knife and make the uh-huh. divides, you know, cut the cut the rhizomes with that garden knife. And you're going to want to get in the habit of dividing irises every three to five years. Just that's kind of the way it goes. And you'll notice with Siberian irises, the smaller types, that they tell you when it's time to divide because kind of in the center, it'll start just not to put out as many leaves. So you'll almost have a ring of irises, and that's a good indication to know when the rhizomes are ready to move. Thank you for the call, Judy. We've got Patty, Edward, and Jan all coming up, and our guest Seth Hawkins from the Georgia Forestry Commission to answer your tree questions. Give us a call, 404-872-0750.
Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Getting lost in the music this morning and some rock and roll in the last half hour with Steve Craig from 97.1 The River. So appreciate having him on. That was fun. I hope maybe many of you passed that rock and roll quiz I had for Steve. So any parts of the show that you may miss every Saturday morning, we're on 6 to 9. We have the show podcasts and put back up online uh, usually by every Monday morning and all three hours are separate. So you can kind of fast forward through what parts you missed or what you want to listen to. So Mondays go to WSBradio.com and hear the show there. You can replay it or on um, Spotify or Google Play and all of that. It's there. So at this point, I want to bring on my guest from the Georgia Forestry Commission. I've told you he was going to be with us for an hour this morning. Summer tree care and a lot of you have great tree questions. And this is our man, Seth Hawkins. Good morning. Hey, Ashley, how are you doing this morning? Really well, and I'm really excited on, on having you on the show. So thanks so much for being here. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. For so sure. you and I met back in January, and I mean, I met some of the coolest people when we had that that meeting with the Georgia Forestry Commission, and all of you were so willing to help and showed me just a whole new world of gardening. You know, I mean, I always think like small stuff, like plants and flowers and trees and stuff, like the like the intro to the show says, but... I mean, trees are so important and tree care too. So this is one of the most stressful times of the year for trees. And you are a community forester. So first I want to kind of introduce you to folks and you explain to them, you know, you, you right now your work is based out of like the Athens area and kind of Northeast Georgia, but what do you do? Um, yes. So the Georgia Forestry Commission, um, you know, we, we work across the state um, basically to be healthy stewards of Georgia's forests. Um, overall and so a lot of that work pertains to you know timber management and wildfire response and stuff but then we have a community forestry department within gfc and um we're all certified arborists and we mostly mostly work with communities on managing their community forest um and so just helping with you know planning with tree ordinances and things like that but then also digging down into workshops and really helping people understand the day-to-day care that goes into keeping trees alive in an urban environment yeah, and I mean, how much burden is on the homeowner to really add to this overall effort of maintaining, you know, I mean, Georgia has one, of Atlanta too, one of the best tree canopies, you know, we're so well known here for keeping everything green and we've got a lot of wood space and things like that. So how much stress do you place on homeowners like, hey, it's y'all's responsibility too? Well, I wouldn't call it stress. I would call it an opportunity to get yeah. out and your, your community trees. Um but yeah, so the majority of a city's tree canopy is carried on private property. So when you look at it from that perspective, it's all it's, it's paramount that homeowners help take care of their trees in their yard because that's contributing to the canopy that benefits the entire community. Um, you know, trees grow really well out in the woods in their natural habitat. Um, that's why we have to help them along in an urban or suburban setting. Uh, there's just a lot of stressors that go, you know, put stress on the tree, and uh, that's where we come in to help help them along. Now, if you had a project, maybe like a new business that was being constructed or an elementary school or something that was looking to plant a large number of trees, and I I mean, I don't know in your idea, a large number of trees, maybe like 40 or 50, but just me thinking, you know, something reasonable in a newly leveled area, maybe five or 10, what what is your go-to tree? What is one of the favorites to plant that does really well? Um, so it really depends on the site. Um, so arborists have a certified arborist have a mantra, right tree, right place. Yeah. So we all the time. 
Um, you know, one of the biggest issues that can happen is planting, you know, large canopy trees maybe in the wrong area with overhead lines or something like that. So it's all about the site, but if I just have a blank slate and I kind of just get to pick from my palette, um, you know, any of our native Georgia oaks uh, mm-hmm. do really well in our soils. Um, you know, willow oak is one that you see planted a whole lot in a lot of developments and things like that. Um, there's a reason for that. Uh, willow oak's a super tough tree, relatively fast-growing. Um, but like I said, a lot of the other uh, Georgia native oaks are great. Um, I plant a lot of bald cypress, especially on heavily compacted sites. Um, they do really well in heavy clay soils. You think bald cypress, you think of the swamp, but they actually do really well in our poorly drained urban soils as well. Now, do those uh, do well as a screening tree as well? Um, you can use bald cypress for that, but they, you know, they do are going to lose their needles every winter. Mm-hmm. They, they, they do actually shed their needles, so there would be a gap in time where you wouldn't have your screen because um, they're actually a deciduous tree. So um, it maybe wouldn't be the best alternative for a screen. There's other options that might be better for that, such as um, arborvitae. Um, you maybe could look into cryptomeria. I really like the arborvitae green giant as a screen tree. Yeah, you know, I had a coworker actually, Chris Burns, who does a. Uh, the the money show on Sundays send me a picture and he was so excited landscaping his his yard and had all these plants you know and trees spaced out in the pots and someone was going to install all of them and my eye in the picture immediately went to Leland Cypress and they were spaced out like you know it was hard to tell the dimensions just with a photograph but it looked like those pots were spaced really close together and I said please tell me your landscaper is not actually planting those where the pots are placed right now because it's way too close so I kind of schooled him a little bit on Leland Cypress do you feel that those are overdone or people just don't realize how large they're going to get and then they end up having to take them down because they die well yeah and you know definitely people don't realize how they might outgrow their space they definitely shoot up there really fast which is one of their you know redeeming qualities yeah. is why we want them but we usually kind of advise against planting leland cypress um there's just inherent fungal issues that they get in our landscape um usually once they get to a certain age they usually just kind of become stressed and get um, some fungal canker diseases. Um, and it I, kind of happens across the landscape. Um, they're super sensitive to, like, drainage issues or root disturbance. So anytime they get stressed a little bit, they usually start having those brown spots you'll see in Leland Cypress. You'll have a whole branch brown out or a whole big chunk of the tree brown out. Um, and that's called, it's, like I said, it's a fungal canker disease. And pretty much once they have that, it's kind of just a downward spiral from there. Yeah, it's one of those things we can't just prune it out because they're not going to put on new new needles. They're just not going to do it. Yeah, pruning out the affected tissue is really the best thing you can do once you have those issues in a Leland. Um, but all that does is really slow the spread. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Walter had always said for years and years in the show how important it was to keep all of your pruning tools clean and kind of disinfected, if you will, so that each cut you make, you're not kind of reinfecting different areas of the tree. Is that right? That's a great point. Yeah. Um, took words out of my mouth. But yeah, make sure just to sanitize your uh, cutting. If you're cutting things, you suspect you're a fungal issue, cutting a branch. Make sure just to sanitize your blade in between each cut. Um, you can use really watered down bleach or um, even like watered down um, Lysol spray. Um, oh. You just want to sanitize it, have a rag out there and do it. Um, you can even just wash it with soap and water, just dip it and all that. But that just keeps from spreading those fungal spores around the rest of the tree. And I love Arborvitae as a suggestion, but if someone's just really bent on doing Leland Cypress, tell us proper spacing for those. You know, um, it really depends on what your desired effect is. Um, you know, I probably would go try to go, honestly, 
about around 20 foot spacing in between them. Um, I know people like to cram them up together, <laughs> uh, and that does give you that nice, you know, shaded fence look or that string look, but also the more that they're touching and everything, that's just more susceptibility to spread that fungus from one to the other. And they're also just going to be kind of tightly packed and overstocked and stressed out a little bit. Such a bummer. And you mentioned oaks as well, something really cool. I was at the uh, Green Meadows Preserve in West Cobb County, Seth, the other day. And there is a tree there. I had never been there. I grew up in Woodstock my whole life, but had never been out to West Cobb. And the Green Meadows Preserve, a southern red oak. And do you want to take a stab at how old that thing is? Um, I've never seen that particular tree, but um, I'm, I'm not sure. 185 years old. Nice. Isn't that cool? Nice. Um, yeah, and there's a really good way, and a real quick tidbit on aging trees. There's okay. thing called growth factors, and if you have the diameter of a tree and you have the growth factor for that species, you can come up with the ballpark age of any tree in your backyard. If you Google tree growth factors, you'll be able to find them online. Yeah, because we don't want to cut it down and count the rings because exactly. <laughs> then there's no more tree. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we've got some great calls lined up for you. You ready to go? Let's do it. Perfect. All right. 404-872-0750. Seth Hawkins, Community Forester from the Georgia Forestry Commission. Any and all tree care questions, we want to talk to you. So first, Betty in Doraville. Good morning, Betty. How are you? Fine. You had a great question about crepe myrtles. Well, I have big crepe myrtles. I've never, you know, trimmed them. Uh, crepe murder <laughs> but anyway I need to cut some of the limbs off now because they're big trees and is it alright this time of the year to cut off some of those limbs Seth what um, do you think yeah yeah great question Betty thanks for calling in um, you know crepe myrtle pruning is something we get questions about all the time um, really really pruning right now would be just fine on that crepe myrtle um, you know especially a crepe myrtle they're some of the toughest trees that are out there so um, you'd be fine to get away with the pruning. And honestly, you know, pruning in the spring, early summer actually is a pretty good time to prune um, because the tree's just all vigorous and got a lot of flow going on, and it does a really good job of sealing those wounds. Um, the big thing would be to just make sure that you cut back to unions and cut back to actual branch crotches, not just mid-node cutting mm-hmm. um, like you see on the topping in the crate murder cuts. And there seems to be certain patterns in different years that we've seen on this show, Seth, where everyone's crepe myrtles are doing fine, no one calls and complains, and then all of a sudden, every few years, we get a lot of calls, which I haven't yet this summer, but people concerned with, my crepe myrtle's not blooming. I see all the other ones in front of the banks and the shopping centers and neighbors' yards, they're blooming and mine aren't. Is there any just pat answer for that, or it really depends on the environment? Um, you know, so every tree is going to be different, just like every person, their animal is different. Um, so that can that can change their flowering schedule and timing a little bit. Um, also, just sun exposure can drive flowering time and flowering schedule. Um, I've actually, I'm looking at three in my backyard, and they haven't flowered out, and my neighbors have. have that exact huh. <laughs> See, and that's one thing. You can almost cut a crepe myrtle any time, and they're not super, super picky like some others are, you know, you don't want to prune a tree or a plant right before it starts to set buds because then you're going to miss out on the buds. But crepe myrtles are pretty forgiving. So, Betty, great advice from Seth there to take out the limbs that you need to take out, just going back to a crotch or a union in the limbs. And what's the rule, Seth, on is there something like Walter used to say pencil size or if, if it's the size of maybe just your index finger that big around, are those better to take those smaller ones out or you can just do any size limb you need? 
Um, yeah, so, I mean, the smaller wound that you make on a tree, obviously, is ideal and better. It's easier for the tree to seal that. However, again, crepe myrtles, they're really good compartmentalizers. They're going to seal wounds off. The big thing with crepe myrtle pruning, I always tell people, is less is more. Yeah. So I just take out the branches that are growing back into itself or rubbing on other branches and just kind of take out those issues and let it do its natural thing um, and let them kind of get up and become nice shade trees. Good. All right, Betty. So if you're going to get out there, girl, this weekend, do it either now or do it like at 7 p.m. because it's going to be hot today. Thank you for the call. And Seth, you hang on because we're going to talk to Jan in Milledgeville about her small red dogwood. The leaves are turning brown. And also Tracy had a great question about her dogwood and a broken branch and now maybe some ants or infesting that wounded area so we will address that and more in your calls 404-872-0750 be right back on green and growing on wsb you made it through friday you made it to the weekend now it is time to relax and maybe a few things to do out in the landscape get them done early or later in the evening it has been so hot so the weather update brought to you by finley roofing if you've heard it once you've heard it 20 times today and tomorrow very similar highs reaching the mid 80s and lows only around the mid-60s, a mix of sun and clouds. A stray shower possible for tomorrow, but today going to be pretty nice. So I've got Seth Hawkins on the line from the Georgia Forestry Commission, and we're talking summer tree care and tree health, and a lot of you are calling with great tree questions, and now is the time to do so. 404-872-0750. So up next, Seth, we're going to talk to Jan in Milledgeville. Hey, good morning, Jan. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for being so patient. So you got a dogwood. What's going on with it? Yeah, it's a young dogwood, maybe two years, and um, it's it's called a red dogwood. We have not seen those red blooms yet other than when we first bought it at the nursery where we could see them. But um, all of a sudden the top area, the top of branches, the leaves are, are turning brown. And, <clears throat> and I cut some off to look at them, and I don't see any bugs or anything, you know, anything creeping around on them, but the leaves are turning brown. And I'm concerned about that. It doesn't seem like they should be doing that. No. So, Seth, what's your assessment? Uh, yeah. Um, so, my first question about the dogwood would be, Jan, is it out in the open sun or is it in the shade? No, it's it's like an understory plant, in my opinion, is what you would call it. It's, we have a lot of mature trees in our lot. This isn't our first home, but um, it's uh, mature trees, big trees. And we have a fair amount of dogwoods in our yard in similar circumstances that are doing well. So I would say not it gets sun, but not a tremendous amount. I don't know. Maybe okay. that's the problem. That's the problem. Well, that's spot on. It is an understory tree. Think about it out in the woods. That's where you see it. So uh, I always just check with that because dogwoods and open sun usually just don't do great. Um, right. You know, my, my first things when I'm thinking about just like leaves browning at the top, usually um, it's maybe going to be uh, water issues. So either maybe too much water or not enough water. Um, so I was wondering, is the soil drained well enough, or is there ever, like, kind of just, like, really moist soil constantly, or does it ever get to dry out? Um, I would say it drains pretty good. I, I mean, I, I can't really say for sure how good, but, um, of course, it's been raining a lot lately around here, but um, I I think it drains pretty good. Can't be sure. I mean, I don't yeah. walk over there and see it standing in water <laughs> after it rains. Okay, that's just where I always go when I, when I hear Lee's Brown. I always talk about watering first. Um, you know, dogwoods are real susceptible to a fungal disease called uh, anthracnose. Ooh. I'm wondering if maybe that might be what you're dealing with. Almost uh, every dogwood in our landscape has a little anthracnose going on. It just depends on when it becomes enough that we notice it. And, Seth, we've uh, got about a minute. So would that be an issue with the roots? Where is that most commonly started or seen? 
Well, and thracnose is a fungal disease typically it floats around in the crown. Um, and so the best thing you can really do for that is kind of prune out the affected tissue and just make sure there's good airflow through the crown. That'll help get rid of the, the fungal infestation. Um, that's really the best bet you can do. But I, if the leaves are brown, I would see if the branches are brittle or not. If the branches are still flexible, maybe see what happens and make sure you get the watering schedule right. If the branches are brittle, then I would prune out that affected tissue. That is great advice for Jan. Thank you so much. And we're going to come up on a break here to uh, take a break and check the news. But definitely want to cover Tracy here in the next 10 minutes or so. Tracy with a, a dogwood branch, a large branch that broke halfway off at the trunk. And now that may be exposing some of the tree to uh, some infestations with unwanted pests. So Seth Hawkins along from the Georgia Forestry Commission. And we will be back with tree calls, tree questions that you've got. Jump in 404 872 This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.